0: The Bills begin their OTAs, we'll be talking some more Sabres player grades, and Dom will be reclaiming the rundown this week, along with some hot takes, trivia, and more. This is the Buffalonian Podcast. All right, let's go. are back with this week's edition of the Buffalodian Podcast. I'm Joe Cali, and as always, I'm joined by Dom Lawson, Mike Marino, and we're coming right at you with the Bills news. The Bills begin OTAs this week. Dom, what do you have to say? Well, it's a great
1: time to see all the Bills faces come to Western New York to practice a little bit. Von Miller was here. That was a pretty cool sight. Oh, I was- man. Got his jersey today. Very excited. Really? Yeah. Chinese knockoff, but got it. You got to love him. But- <laughs> <laughs> but- I think it always gets talked about in OTAs. It, you don't talk about the people that are present. You talk about the people that are not there. And the most notable name that is not taking part in OTAs right now is uh, Jordan Poyer. Mike, what are your thoughts? Obviously, he wants to do contract. What are your thoughts on this?
2: Um, I, I don't think you have to uh, look, look too deep into this. Because, I mean, you see around the league, a lot of big-name guys don't show up to OTAs. They're, they are voluntary. Like, Poyer wants to be here. It's a Super Bowl contending team. I think his wife's just sending out mean tweets again. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you have to look too too hard into this.
1: Yeah, I think it, you know, as Sean McDermott said this morning, uh business is business. And, you know, this kinda like comes down to the McDermott, you know, letting Brandon Bean work on player contracts. He let he lets Bean do that and he focuses on the team, the people that are
0: present to get them better. Yeah, they do have a good dynamic going, I think, and you know, just keep it that way. Um Poyer not being there, there there have been Name big names for other teams that haven't been there. So I, I don't see it as quite a red flag. He's probably got something else going on or whatnot. He was at the softball tournament, so that's what kind of threw me a little bit. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I feel like he's not too far disconnected if he was there with the whole team. You no, know?
1: I, I think he wants to be in Buffalo, but I think he also believes that he's being undervalued. Obviously, uh, his contract you know, he's making $9.75 million a year. That's 13th among safeties. And obviously for a guy that just made first team all pro as one of the top two safeties in the league, obviously he wants a new contract extension. I mean, he's a little older. He just turned 31, so it's probably not going to be like a five-year deal, but maybe like would Mike Hyde sign another two years? at. Um, no, I th-
0: I think when we talked about the Bills in five years, we mentioned that he and Hyde would not be on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't see him getting a major contract extension like Diggs like Allen, you know what I mean, even Von Miller. I don't know. It'll all depend. It'll all depend. I think this season's going to make or break it for him. I really do. Well, Marcus
1: Williams from the Saint, former uh, Saints safety, now Baltimore Ravens safety, signed a $14 million a year, a year deal this offseason. So I think that may be what's How many important. years is it for? Well, that was five, but I'm just looking at the average uh, annual salary. So I think maybe a two-year, $28 million deal gets it done.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, again, like, he's it's just... Every year you have players that sit out because they want to get new contracts. I mean, even there's a threat that Diggs might sit out if he didn't get a new contract, that we had to trade him after Tyreek Hill got his deal. I can see that. And Montana got his deal, so.
0: Diggs definitely that kind of a guy. I mean, like, good guy, but knows what he wants and he's going to do whatever he can to get it kind of guy. Well, I mean, Poyer's one of the best safeties in the league.
1: Him and Hyde have been underrated for years. Right. There's no doubt about that, but. And you know, recently they've been getting a lot of national attention, a lot of national respect. I mean, Hyde made second team All Pro. Porter made first For team All sure. Pro. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think I think they're trying to bank some money off. They both of that. should have been first
0: team All Pros, in my opinion. But
1: yeah, and obviously, well, safety I don't think is an incredibly valuable position in the NFL. I obviously, saw Kyle Hamilton, who was one of the best safety practice safety prospects over the last couple of years fall to fourteenth overall. In the McD- in the McDermott and Frazier scheme, it's really important for the safeties to be very good and the Sky's coverage is to confuse the quarterback. So
0: Right. No, absolutely. I one hundred percent agree with you.
1: I, I think I think Jordan Poyer will be playing with the Buffalo Bills this season, but I think it's gonna depend if how happy he's going to be about like, if he gets an extension or not. He's got to be
0: hoping. I mean, you, you got to wait for you when you play Tua to turn the ball over. You're going to have a lot. That's where you're going to make your contract. That's what I think. I mean, he's going to basically pluck the ball out, out of Tua's hands every time Tyreek Hill, as I've mentioned many times, not saving that team. And uh, Poyer's going to have to shine. Earn that contract, buddy. You can do it, I I, I believe. I believe that Tua will turn the ball over in Jordan Jordan Poyer's hands.
1: Well, as we say in Bean we trust. So let's let's move on from Jordan Poirier. Let's talk we have a little some questions before, you know, training camp happens in about a couple months or so. Let's say that's some pre training camp questions. What is your biggest camp battle you're most looking forward to seeing uh this off season, Mike?
2: Um I mean I think honestly it's the interior of that offensive line. So obviously I think Morse is set. At center, that's that's not a question. I think it, I think honestly it's a guard because, I mean we bring in Saffold, he'll probably start. But that other spot, I mean, you still have Bates, you have Ford. I know Ford hasn't been that good, but they're still gonna give him a shot because he's still on a rookie deal. So, um, and then obviously Bacher is probably gonna miss with some, uh, Achilles injury. So, well, I know they were high on him when he was healthy, so you gotta think is he gonna eventually start when he comes back.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I, mean, the guards will definitely be a very interesting one. I'm interested in the running backs, honestly. I want to see if Zach Moss really is going to show what it takes to outdo James Cook. James Cook also, he's very um, emotionless, I want to say, but a, <laughs> a different word for it. Like, gets drafted by the Bills, just straight face, no emotion. Serious. In the picture with all the other draft picks, <clears throat> which Kyrie Elam should have been in, by the way. Just want to point that out. Straight face, he's no very, emotion. Very serious. Yeah, like... This guy, you, you you give him a, you know, say say you throw him a Tesla for nothing. He's just, he's not going to do anything. He also absolutely looked zooted out of his mind when he got drafted. So, I mean, it could, that could be a factor too. But I just, I, I'm curious to see if Zach Moss really will prove. But then again, we see with Peterman, amazing in, in the preseason, in training camp, right? First game, we know why he threw five interceptions against the What were they? The St. Louis Rams at the time. Chargers. Or the that's right, the Chargers. They're sorry. They wore navy blue primarily (laughs) back then. It was a little confusing, but um, yeah, it's definitely an interesting battle to watch. Yeah,
1: I think both the running back positions gonna be interesting because I think Zach Moss will probably get traded, but I mean maybe he breaks out. I think he's just cut. Like get him out of here. Possibly, and then it also comes back up the interior offensive line. You know that's always been a weak spot for the Bills. I mean they've added to they've added more depth, and we're gonna see you know what what's best five. Uh, for the Bills, are mine is the DN three position actually is AJ Epinesa versus Boogie Basham. I think Fawn Miller and Greg Rousseau are going to be your starting DNs, but I think it's going to be interesting between who are these two the two second round picks, which one is going to step up. McDermott said this morning how and he, he he put Groot in the mix too. Groot, AJ, and Boogie like those three players are no longer rotational players, like you've got to be impactful players. There are no more Mario Addison or Jerry Hughes here to. You know, to have some playing time and play like it's your time to shine. There's no one blocking you, as we say, like with the Sabers. There's no block. We don't want anyone blocking Quinn and Paterka. Now with the Bills and the the Edge, there's no one blocking those two players from getting playing time. It's now up for them to earn it. You know, we've we learned all this stuff about how Boogie Basham has transformed his body. Like it's kind of a wait and see because we heard all that stuff about AJ Epenesa last year. Yeah, and he kind of you know after that really good Week Two Miami game kind of fell off a little bit and fell out of favor with the coaching staff. So. I think that is going to be the most interesting matchup to see if, the. I mean, hopefully both those players, but hopefully at least one of them steps up in a big role to help out this defense.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think all like everything we've mentioned is going to be very interesting to watch. I think it's going to take a while, though. You're going to have to really study and make sure, you know what I mean, like these coaches are really going to have to make sure that they're confident that these players will be able to fit where they put them, you know? And that's always the risk you run. They can be an amazing practice person. You put them out in a game situation, they're nothing, you know? Yeah, and I think that's what with the Pomerin
1: situation. that's right, if, like I mentioned, yeah, that's if yeah. other players where it's difficult. Uh, let's move on to another another question. What do you guys think is the biggest need still available on the Bills roster? Obviously, it's one of the more complete rosters in the entire National Football League. But you know, maybe there's a depth
0: spot that you're concerned about if someone goes down. What, what, what do you think, Joe? Um, I'm going to be honest. I I do think that we are pretty completed. Um, one thing I see though is wide receiver. That we might need another solid, solid wide receiver. Like you know, Kumaro's okay. You know what I mean? Allen likes him. He's a special team guy. Right, but I, I don't think he would mesh in with that offense on a wide receiver standpoint. You know what I mean? If you He's were, like Steve Task, Yeah, very good special teamer. Right, below not average wide receiver. Average wide receiver. Yeah, below. Yeah, I give him C tier wide receiver. That's what I would say. But definitely, D, you but need you need another you need another solid wide receiver. I think. Well, let's just think this out. They have Diggs. Hopefully, Davis.
1: Can come up and play well. Crowder. Crowder. Secure. McKenzie. Yeah, so they have Crowder as the slot, and Shakir and McKenzie are probably gonna be like those gadgety also kind of slash Yeah, little players. shifty guys. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. what you're talking about is another deep deep receiver. Is that they need a third outside receiver to right. step up, like
0: it's, where Emmanuel Sanders was last season? You mm-hmm. need to fill that
1: void, I think. And obviously, Michael, you're a big Isaiah Hodgins fan. You know,
2: I I had high hopes for him when when they drafted him. I thought he was gonna be good. Mm-hmm. That just hasn't worked out so far.
1: Unfortunately, yeah, because I I
2: did too. But
0: so, maybe, maybe this is his breakout. Maybe this is his breakout year. Hey, you never know. I mean, he could throw something at us we never saw coming. Exactly. So, I mean, never rule anyone out. I, that's what I say. Yeah, obviously.
1: So, third outside wide receiver is a pretty glaring need. I also think depth at cornerback is a need in the short term and also kind of a little bit in the long term. You I would ha- agree. You have Jackson and Elam as the outside corners for now of Trey out. You also but- have Cam Lewis as kind of a tweener, Taryn Johnson as your slot. Uh Neal is kind of like your big nickel, but really more of a special teamer. I mean, I, I just think they're lacking another piece. And especially with Trey coming back, you don't know how that knee is going to react on a day-to-day basis. Like, he might have to take some time off. Or when he gets back, if he's not right. feeling 100, you don't want to push him. No, you don't want to
0: push him. The re-injury risk, then, is much higher. You know what I mean? Like, you gotta you got to let him go.
1: So, I think that allows an opportunity, obviously, for Cam Lewis to get a bigger role. But also guys like Nick and Cloud, who had a very good preseason and then was on the practice squad last year. And Christian Benford, the sixth-round pick. Also, for the, like, Elam and Jane Jackson, they're going to get reps against Diggs and
0: Davis. Like, Yeah, it, it's, they're basically going to get reps against one of the best wide receiving cores mm-hmm. in the NFL. Again, not the most complete, in my opinion, but one of the best. <laughs> yeah,
1: again, it says about depth at that point. I think they could use another kind of solid body to have around even when right. Trey comes back.
2: Yeah. No, um, I agree, both you guys. I'm going to go to uh, the other secondary position and say safety. Because, yeah, we have Hyde and Poyer, but if they go down. I mean... Yeah, that's a good lot, point. A lot, of, a lot of youth. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we have Demar Hamlin, who... I, I, I am high on Demar Hamlin. I think he could develop, especially having Hayden Boyer being his mentors. I think, hopefully, down the line, he can step in and be just as effective as them. But... Um, after that, I mean, maybe, what, Josh Thomas? Jaquan someone? Johnson, Jaquan but he's Johnson. but he's more of a special teamer, yeah, like, so like yeah. Seren Neal. We don't have any proven starting You don't safeties. have someone who could go in and fill in exactly. effectively. Yeah, as like, as, as effectively. effectively. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. who's going to really step up? Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, who can be like Micah Hyde and go pluck the ball out of, you know, thin air like they did in the Patriots yeah. game? I don't think anyone. Well, yeah, it's also what we've been talking about, how these guys are
1: now in their... You know, 30s now, so the possibility for injury is just greater when you get older. So it's right. going to be, I mean, they take very good well, care of themselves. But yeah, I mean, the they're time. both in
0: very good shape, but at the same time, they, you're right. The Age age is not no, just de- a number injury, anymore.
2: You know, injury can happen at the blink of an eye. It doesn't matter how look good at White. Look at That
0: was not, you know what I mean? Exactly. It didn't look he glaring. He wrong. just tore his ACL. Just moved
2: wrong, yeah. his knee.
0: Yeah,
1: Def- definitely in danger. So let's go to our last question uh, for now. About tra- training camp, I, I know we'll have more in the future. But we talked a little bit about Jake Cumro, uh, Joe brought him up, but <laughs> yeah. who who will be this year's Jake Kumaro? And the fact of I don't think anyone around this time really thought Jake Kumaro was going to make the 53 man roster. He was kind of Aaron Rodgers liked him in practice. Then he got cut. Then the Bills had him, and he caught that touchdown against Denver on that third down. And then he got cut and was with the Saints. Then he just kind of signed with the Bills for the off season. But you know he touched down. Jesus, you know, he made an impact during training camp, yeah. had ne- carved out a nice special teams role. Who, who do you guys think will be that player for the Bills uh, this this offseason?
2: Yeah, we already mentioned him. We already said that I liked him coming out of the draft. Isaiah Hodgins. <laughs> think about it. This poor kid has just been battling injuries, and he's been buried on this depth chart. You know, we have Diggs, who's arguably a top three receiver in the game. You know, now Gabe Davis had a breakout in the the Chiefs' playoff game, so he's obviously the number two now. Yeah, he's just been buried. He's an outside receiver. Uh, give, I think he deserves a shot, healthy.
0: You know what? I'm gonna agree with you on that one. I don't think I'm gonna stray much from that. Isaiah Hodgins definitely, definitely a top pick. Um, honestly, I know Zach Moss has been on the team, but I, there is a risk of him not playing on the roster. But I, I could also see him. Being the one that we're not expecting to actually make the cut and be there. Well, right now I think if people
1: predicted the 53-man roster, they wouldn't have Zach Moss on. No, so I think he definitely fits the bill. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's Christian Benford and the fact of not a lot of people are talking about him. Uh, the sixth-round pick out uh, of Villanova, uh, we barely talked about him during our draft recap. On yeah, the pod. no, that was we I, skipped. I think we pretty much. Yeah, we. I think all of us said a combined three cents of him, but you know he has great ball skills. You know, he can also maybe play safety at the next level. And, you know, McDermott loves versatility. He's also a very good gunner on yeah. special teams. And, obviously, they signed Saran Neal to be the long-term future at one gunner spot. Mm-hmm. But the second gunner spot is Tymon Jones, who's very good. But, you know, he's in his 30s now. And, you know, maybe they look to improve that spot in the future. And maybe he could be the long-term gunner. So, I think his ability to maybe make an impact on special teams and show out on these reps that he's probably going to get with Trey out, uh, I think Christian Benford has a chance to probably make this roster.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, that is going to do it for our Bills topic for the day. So we will be right back with more of the Buffalonian podcast right after this. <laughs> the Buffalonian Combine will be coming soon to a theater near you this summer. But meanwhile, be prepared for a trailer to drop next week with the next podcast. It's something that you'll never forget and cannot wait for you guys to see it. You'll be able to find it on our YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and our Instagram. Now, without further ado, let's get back
2: to the show. Welcome back to the Buffalonian podcast, and we're going to move forward here with some Sabres news. So, we all know the Sabres aren't playing right now, but there are, in fact, a few Sabres players participating In the World Championships right now. And the most notable ones are Dylan Cousins for Team Canada. And Rasmus Asplund and Rasmus Dahlin for Sweden. There's others, but these are the ones that we... I'm not going to say care about, but these are the ones that have made the most notice. I'm not going to say... Rasmus uh,
0: Squared, baby!
1: I'm not going to say I care about them, but we're going to say that we care about them more. Yeah.
2: So, most notably, Dylan Cousins. In seven games, he has eight points, and four of them are goals. So, he's been pretty effective. Asplin, he's got six points, all of them being goals, in seven games, and Dalene has two goals and seven points, also in seven games. So, what do you guys make of this? Like, how do you feel about these players performing?
1: Uh, I think it's very interesting. Um, obviously, it's nice to see Asplin, you know, performing at a high stage. I think we're all huge fans of him. I think he gets a little underrated in the community just because I don't even know if he had six goals on the season. So. Um, I think he gets continued to be underrated, so it's nice to see him show up on a world stage. Obviously, Darlene, hopefully he can continue to have that confidence he had in the back half of uh, this season and continue to perform, and hopefully we get a full two game of dominant Rasmus Darlene. But I think the most notable one is Cousins, because, yes, it's nice to see him produce, but it's also interesting to see that he's doing it on the wing. He's not playing center. He's actually being centered by Pierre-Luc Dubois. So I think that's interesting. You know, last year he was kind of a... You know, a third line center. The year before that, he mostly played wing to kind of get his uh, skates underneath him uh, for the season. So it's interesting. Is he uh, going to be a winger now at the next level? Because he's he's dominating right now as wing, or is
0: he going to stay in that in the middle? Right. No. I mean, I mean, I just personally, I love to see our guys dominating. You know, what I mean, on the world scale, it's it's something. You know, it it really it shows that the Sabers. Pardon my French here. They're not going to take any. D- all right, they're not going to take it from anybody this coming season. They're going to the cup as I said in episode 1. They're taking it all the way and they're playing on the world scale and they're absolutely annihilating the competition. Like people are scared. People are scared of Rasmus Squared. Trademark pending on that.
2: You can make a t-shirt. That yes. Could be some of our merchandise.
0: Merch. Yes. Look on the Buffalonian merch store that'll be uh hopefully, you know, we could link it at some some point and uh, look for the Rasmus Squared duo. Maybe coming at you with the combine. Maybe it's a maybe it's a promotional. We shirt, have an you know?
2: eventful summer.
0: Yeah, we have an eventful summer ahead. You know, Sabres taking the cup next season. You know, they're already showing showing stats of it right now. I mean, at least Vinny is not there. He'd be ruining the whole
2: vibe. I mean, <laughs> just just as you know, move on from that. Um, I know you mentioned here that Cousins playing online with Dubois, and could you see maybe the Sabres wanting to pursue a forward to help Cousins play? Because I know we talked a lot about goaltending and defense, if that's the area we need to focus on. Are we not looking at forwards enough?
0: I believe we we, we need to, um, at the point where you need more depth, in my opinion, to be able to fill out the line. You, you've you got a couple strong ones, but from what I've seen this past season, the rest of them cannot. Do you get what I mean? Yeah,
1: I, I think they had a decent offensive season, but they weren't really all that special. Um, obviously, goaltending and you know p- finding a long-term partner for Owen Power... Are definitely on the top of the food chain uh, you know, for Kevin Adams to find this offseason. And season.
0: we get Baldy out of the net, yeah.
1: Yeah, but I think a top six center is really interesting to possibly add just because I think what the Sabres are going to do, because they'd like to wait and see, they're going to wait and see if either Cousins or Krebs are going to break out, but Krebs has been a winger at the NHL level and he kind of struggled last season, so I, mean, I know he's young. Cousins has been a solid third-line center, um, I don't know, maybe you add someone above him and you have something like Thompson. Maybe you traded for Dubois from the Jets and Cousins. I think that's like a Stanley Cup possibly playoff-contending spine. You have to look at it from that perspective. Are you okay having your future spine be Tage Thompson, Dylan Cousins, and Payne Krebs? And in my opinion, I don't really know if that's going to be strong enough to compete for the playoffs or even... I mean, just even the playoffs of that aspect. So I think that's interesting because Paterka... And Quinn are more wingers as more wingers than center, so I do think a center is an underrated need, and getting another a bona fide Ryan O'Reilly like trade, I think, would actually benefit the Sabres, especially having three first round picks uh, in this draft.
2: Yeah, you just said it. Three first round picks. I mean, it's locked in now nine, sixteen, and twenty eight. R.I.P. to the Florida Panthers getting swept in the second round.
0: I know. I couldn't honestly. I couldn't believe my eyes. Uh, Sam Reinhart, I I believe. You know, leaving Buffalo, and you know, I, I did feel for him a little bit, but I was not rooting for him in the slightest. Keep him out of the championship even longer, make him feel Still worse. Still more about. playoff games than Jack. Exactly. So. Jack Eichel doesn't deserve another playoff game in his career, and I, another. Hope, I hope. Another. I hope. I hope he goes a singular, singular. <laughs> or singular. Sorry, sorry, I wasn't even thinking about that. Um, I think he goes down to the uh, the AHL team, the Silver Knights. I, I think they get rid of him. I, I think that's the best plot. The the best spot he goes. I, I don't think. I don't think Jack Eichel goes anywhere. I think he honestly he hurts his back and then that's it. It's gone. Yeah. See you never. So sorry, I kinda went on a Jack Eichel rant there, (laughs) but I mean.
2: Yeah. Well, back to the picks, you know, we (laughs) we we could very well trade one to get a top six forward. I mean I know you're talking about how you're not sold on if Cousins and Krebs can be those NHL centers. I know Krebs, I'm not sure where he's playing in Rochester. He's playing center. center. He's He's playing playing center. So I know he had nine assists, he's been dishing out pretty good. Yeah. But I know, it seemed like to me, Krebs sometimes was trying to force the pass and try to create plays rather than taking the play himself and right. trying to shoot himself. Right, taking advantage of
0: the situation he had. I think if yeah. he can
2: learn to take his own chances, then maybe he'll be uh, a more effective player, but that's just going to come with... Growth and practice. Absolutely. I think.
1: I think it comes with Cousins was very good in transitions we've been talking about and needs to add a little be better in his own end and needs to create more chances off the ru- he generates a lot of rushes but he needs to start generate more high scoring
0: chances off those rushes. Right, he's just gotta capitalize on his opportunities pretty much.
1: I think for me for Krebs, and this is what gives me a little bit of hope for him, is I know last offseason we're gonna make a football comparison here, everyone was complaining about Zach Wilson throwing all those interceptions in practice. And I think he made a really good point of it's practice. I need to learn what I can get away with and what I can't get away with. So when a game happens, I know what you know. What I mean, I know what to do. Yeah. What do you to, I feel like it's can't well, argue with that. So I feel like Krebs this year was figuring out in the NHL level, as all young guys do. I mean, it's a tougher competition. Is okay. What can I do? What can I do? What can you get
0: away with? And what, can I not what are you gonna from? get screwed yeah. with? Yeah.
1: yeah. So I think I mean, there's hope for that aspect. I just I would just really prefer, I don't know. I just feel like another bona fide Ford. To add to that core, I think would really help and make a whole complete three lines. Right, plus having a solid fourth checking line. Yeah. I, look at all the great teams; they have that the, those spines down the middle.
0: Well, that's what we noticed when we were at those games. The Sabers they fizzled out towards the bottom tier lines mm-hmm. they had, and the other teams were able to capitalize on scoring opportunities all the way through. And
1: and I know I haven't talked a single word about Casey Miller stuff because I just I think he's done. So I mean he he was he, and maybe if he's healthy. He could do something, but I don't really know if he's really a part of the future anymore.
2: You know, we look down the middle and we think about who was who our best guy taking face-offs this year. It was Cody Eakin. And Cody Eakin is by no means a good forward. Well, he, he's okay, but no, I don't no, want No, him no, on no, my
1: no, team. no, no. He is not good at all. Congratulations, you were great face-offs.
0: Okay, congrats. He's not good.
2: It's kind of important, but I don't want him on, he on my team anymore. He basically—he
0: would make no difference if there was a power play and he only went out for the the faceoff. And so that's what they did in the
2: overtime. They'd send him out for the faceoff and take him right off.
0: Yeah, he should just do that. That should be his job. I don't think he does anything else productive for the team, but that's just me. That's but, why he's not going to be signed. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but I mean, you can't expect. I'm thinking Jack Quinn and Paterka will probably be in the NHL next year. You can't expect them to just, you know, carry this team right off the bat. Like, they're going to have growing pains.
0: Right. I mean, it's like comparing it to the NFL again, you couldn't expect Josh Allen to carry the Bills to a championship right away. Exactly. But now you can after a few years of development and all that. Yeah,
1: I think it comes down to the fact you can't rush the players and they're going to have the growing pains as Krebs did. And I think a lot of people look at they don't want people to be blocked per se. And that's adding like a depth player. If you add a legit top six forward, that's not block anyone. That's a legit player that can then help the young guys. You know, that could be your Pierre Luc Dubois, who centers a a line of cousins and Paterka. Now those two young guys are getting it. You know, valuable experience of an actual really good centerman. So I think it's definitely something to look forward to. Hopefully, maybe they make the move again. I think it's more likely that they wait another year to see. If either one of Krebs or cousins breaks out before they make a legitimate sized move or trade a significant asset like a first
0: round pick right now, I do want to get into some player grades with you guys for Bryson pissick and miller and butcher
1: the back half of the defenseman
0: yes, the back half so mike Lesson let's half. let's start with bryson what what would you what would you what would you give him as a grade if you um, had to gun to your head what do you say
2: right away i'm I'm giving the man a c i i think i think he's he, he shows at times he could be good offensively. I don't think he showed it enough consistently this year, and I think there were times where he just turned the puck over too much and was kind of a liability on defense at times. Yeah. So I, I could see him maybe as like that, like a bottom pairing defenseman or seventh defenseman, but I, I think he it was his first full year in the NHL, so I'll give him a C. see.
0: I, I mean I do agree with you in some regard. I give him a D just based on turnovers. Way too many. Way too many to be, yeah. be okay with de- in my de- opinion.
1: Definitely was an issue. I gave him a C plus strictly because I think wow. I think he's a serviceable bottom pair defenseman for right now on this team. Obviously he's left shot, but he can play both sides and it's gonna be important, you know, when you have cos- when you have excuse me, Samuelson, Darlene, and <laughs> Power. He already has three left shots, so having another left and shot and
2: Ryan Johnson, if he plays
1: possibly, and having another left shot that could play the right is also important. So he could he's shown that he could do that. He's an RFA this offseason. I think he'll get back on a cheap deal to play the bottom pair. So I don't I you know he met he slightly went above my expectations of just being a decent third
0: pair defenseman. Gotcha. No, absolutely. I I, I can see where you're coming from on that now. Moving on to Pissick, what do you what do you what do you Dom, we'll start with you this time. What what do you got? He met my expectations,
1: see. I mean they they paid him a million bucks to play. It was just kind of a he was very solid in being a leader defensively, he completely faded away after that first two months, and now he started to get healthy scratch, so it was a question of you know, again, a question of the deadline, and we're going to talk about Colin Miller if asset manager and will butcher for that aspect, you know, should they have moved him well, he didn't really play, but, you know, he was important to the locker room, I think he was an important guy to that locker room, so I think he added some value there, but to me it's a C, because he faded off, and really at this point, if they're going to bring him back, it would only, for me, be a
0: 7th defenseman, and I don't know if he wants to sign up for that, so. Yeah, I mean, I'd give him a D. We're going to stick with the D, um, I just think you know, like you said, he's there more for the culture. You know, good locker room guy. I don't really see him bringing too much more to the team. I mean, no,
2: no, you guys said it perfectly. He was a guy for a young team to be that veteran voice, to be that leader. And I, I give him a C. I agree with Dom here. Give him a C. Like, I think early in the year, yeah, he he looked pretty decent out there. Like, you can't really complain about him. He was, he was um, good defensively out there, and he was doing his job. And then. Uh, yeah, end of the year, he was getting scratched. They were having some other guys play just to see what they had going forward. And I wouldn't be opposed to bringing him back as, you know, like he said. I, I'm in very much agreeance with Dom here. Like, I'm not I'm not trying to just copy and paste what he said, but I I pretty much agree with everything he said.
0: I know, that's what I said. I I I don't want didn't want to take exactly what you were saying, but I mean... I pretty, I, much, I pretty much nailed the nail on the You hit the nail on the head. He, he the on the head. Mark yeah, now, let's go to... I'm going to switch up the order a little bit here. I'm, I'm intrigued... Will Butcher. Mike, what do you have to say about Will Butcher?
2: Um, you know, I I, I got to say there was um a contest earlier in the year where you could get a uh, mystery hat signed and I got Will Butcher and I'm not going to try to offend the man, but I was a little let down. <laughs> So, because I saw... A four. It's like opening up the, initially the, the, I saw the box of clothes on Christmas morning. I saw the four, and I'm like, oh, man, did I get Dylan Cousins? But I'm like, well, that, that you know, doesn't look like Dylan Cousins at all. And then I flip it over, and the thing says, well, Butcher, and I'm kind of like...
0: What if it
1: was Bogosian?
2: That would be rough.
1: You've had a tough time reading signatures in the past. I do,
2: you know, I think I just can't read in general. <laughs> so, um... He's illiterate, folks. But, yeah, no, I, I'd have to give the man... This might be a little harsh, but an F. Ooh, you
0: know, I, I'm right there with you on the F, pal. I agree. I agree. With death.
2: That we got him for nothing. We got him for future considerations. We needed the they cap. They gave pit. him a fifth round pick. Oh, we de- the Devils gave the, the same Oh, the fifth okay. Round I thought to- you meant we gave no, him. No, 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 no. Oh, it's like a Matt Ryan know. trade, like nothing. Like, yeah, like, yeah, no. They, we, we honestly they we essentially something. needed his cap hit to go over the floor. The
1: Devils. Gave us an asset. Now a fifth on pick is a huge asset to literally Take him. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, they're, they're like, that tells get, you know. get this guy out of here. We and, don't want him. And the
0: Devils are a fraudulent organization, but that's a different thing.
2: Don't I bash Lindy. I gave
1: I gave him a D <laughs> just because. Oh, that's too I high. Just, I just think F is for like really really bad. Like Cody Eakin. Yeah. What? I don't
0: understand how you can give him a D. One we've been sitting at games and you are just like, oh, there's I, I, Butcher. I, there's Butcher messing it up again the whole uh, time. Just calling him
1: out. I, he's he was bad. He was like. He was banged up, and he just wasn't very good. I think the Sabers thought maybe they were getting the forty-four point defenseman a couple years ago when he broke out versus the
0: Devils. But, uh, sorry, uh, no, they did not. So, <laughs> right. But now, for the final person, Miller, Dom, we're
1: gonna start with you. You know what, Joe? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, say, I'm gonna redirect. You're gonna start us off. You you, F! Went,
0: you, you, went dishing around. F. I don't like this guy. Not one bit. Not even just for playing reasons. He's just a scumbag, in my opinion. I don't know. I, I'm not a fan. He he just he I mean, wasn't it. He was I mean, not it.
2: I I I give him a D because I think when oh you've got
0: the highest out of I the think, two of us. I, think I got the, the, of yeah. the
2: I think the beginning of the year he was playing. He was playing decent. Yeah, but where was he at the end? <laughs> That's the thing. He's forgettable.
0: That's Absolutely forgettable. I think
2: Kevin Adams made a mistake in not trading him. I know he was like the value wasn't there, but now you're just losing him for nothing. So might as well get like. Even if it was what are you going to get for him, pick. though? Even you're going to have was, to give a pick away for even him. Even if it was nah. a 7th round pick, I would have taken that instead of getting nothing.
1: So this is what I look at. He started off the year pretty well, and then he got hurt, which completely tanked his draft value. Um, I mean, he's a right-shot defenseman that was once a 40-point defenseman, and those guys have some value. So I, even if you're going to get a 5th round pick, they should have done it. They should have made the trade. Obviously, in the beginning, you were thinking when he played off so well that he was going to get a 2nd or a 1st round pick for him, but... I mean, that just didn't happen. It's unfortunate that they didn't trade him. I gave him F because, I mean, just overall in his organization, terrible asset management. He didn't even play at the end of the year because, again, he got hurt. Just uh, a tough way to Kyle Miller. Hopefully they don't re-sign him so his Sabres career will
0: be officially over. I, I, I would hope it'd be officially over at that point. But that was, those are some nice nice rankings we gave everyone. But uh, we'll be right back with a little more Sabres talk right after this. Here at the Buffalonian Podcast, we are looking for sponsorships to take our podcast to the next level. If you are at all interested, please feel free to message us either on our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We'll be sure to handle any business inquiries in a timely fashion. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the rest of the show. All right, we are back with more Sabres talk. And uh, we're going to mirror our Bills segment a couple weeks ago on who will be on the Sabres in five years. And, uh, Dom, I want to start with you because... what you were telling me before we started, it, it's it's bold, it's bold.
1: First, I think it's important to say uh, that we didn't have anyone from Rochester who normally played at Rochester. Just the
0: who core twenty twenty two Sabers. Yes, thank you. I was I couldn't say that
1: for for the life of me. But so no Devin Levi, no Jacklin, no J.J. J no Isaac Rosen. Um, no. What about Owen Power? I put him in just because. Uh, he had eight games. I feel like I have a pretty good parameter of where parameter, but um, yeah, no number ninth overall pick, 16th overall pick, 20th overall pick. We have no idea who those like, people even are, so with that, you that's pretty <laughs>
2: understandable. I mean, we're not psychics here. We,
1: we try, we try, we try to predict accurately, but the notable omissions I have though are Kyle Oposo because of just age and probably health. I mean, with all his concussion history, Gergensen's with age, and then. I guess my two big notable omissions are Henry Yokiharyu and Casey Middlestad. Uh I just don't think Milstead is going to be on the f- part of future plans for the Sabres. I think he's expendable with all the forward prospects coming up, and also their ability to possibly add another elite forward. I just I think he might be moved to fill out a different hole in the roster. And then Yokiharyu. I'm just not a fan of. I mean, maybe he's on the roster in a couple years because he's developed into that nice bottom pair of right shot defenseman, but. I I'm very concerned of what I've seen from him the last couple of years so those are, are there any of those people on your list or we're good Uh
2: to... no I'm in agreement I mean yeah I, I, I had high hopes for Middlestat when we drafted him he looked really good at the World Juniors and he just hasn't translated to the NHL yet so I just don't see him being that uh fixture on this team in 5 years Yeah I mean
0: honestly I I don't want to sound like a copycat here but I mean 100% I I do agree with what you guys say um I, I so, just, I don't really, we're off to, yeah, to a good start, we're off to a good start, so, I, I just don't see it going any differently, so, I mean.
1: So, I kind of broke it down the same as the Bills one, I thought it was also important to see who was on the roster five years ago, There's only two players that were on the roster five years ago, Kyle Oposo and Zemdas Um honestly, just really sad seeing that roster from five years ago, seeing, you know, Jack Leichel, Ryan O'Reilly, Sam Reinhardt, all thinking we had a good squad. And just it's remarkable if anyone told you five years ago that there would only be two players uh from that roster currently still on the team and those two players would be Kyle Post and Sedmus Jurgensen's, I think it would be pretty obvious that something went very wrong and well something did went very wrong. Yeah.
0: yeah. I think we've mentioned that about the Bills too. If Josh Allen's not on the Bills in five years, something went very wrong. Yeah, yeah. So I mean like it's that kind of a situation. So
1: for me, the locks, I put no one in the locks. I think he could put Owen Power I just because of his age and you know I, I mean I, what he's
0: done so far, but I mean like
1: I just don't want to overrate the eight games. But I don't I, honestly I'm going I'm going to change it. I'm going to put Owen Power in the lock because locks are for your franchise players that you know are going to be there, like the Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. If something drastic happened, he wouldn't be there. But I think what we've seen from Power, hopefully he could build on the eight games. I think he's the only player on the roster that I think
0: ninety nine percent sure that he'll be he'll be there in five years. I would honestly, I would have to once again agree with you. I I think Owen Power, based off his age and just you know, like you said, you don't want to over over do those eight games, like over analyze. But mm-hmm. he has had a solid performance. You know, it, what did we talk about? He helped Dalene out, right? Yep. Like like he's he's helped Dalene. He's to the enhancing right side. the team's defense for sure. I mean, I could definitely see him being there for long term. But you're right. I mean. Anyone it's eight other, games to go on. Yeah, eight games to go on. It's just it's place. really tough to call, but that's really the only lock. I mean I mean Craig Anderson's another lock, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Sarcasm, Sarcasm. on the <laughs> Babylonian
1: podcast. Uh so we get down to the near locks for me, which are about the ninety percent locks. I have Alex Tuck and Daleen. Um, Alex Tuck I think is the future captain of this team I think right now he can make a case that he's the best player currently on the team oh yeah Um, before obviously before maybe all the prospects take their jumps I think he's currently their best player and obviously Darlene again I'm going to keep hitting this uh, uh, nail on the head that I'm hopeful to get a full 82 games out of Darlene he's really struggled the first half of the last couple years but if he could put 82 games together consistently. There's no reason why he should not be on this team in five years.
2: No, uh, I completely agree with that. I think you are missing uh, one player. I know we talked about locks and near locks. Um, I don't know where you think he's going to go or like what we're going to do, but um, you know Jeff Skinner is still going to be under contract in five years. i put
0: him in the near lock for sure. Really? I have Jeff yeah. Skinner in my 50 contract? Where do you
2: think? This is just what I'm asking here. What do you think? What do you think we do with him if he's not on this roster? We trade, trade. him or just buy him out? Well,
1: see, I think it comes down to this. He's right. He's right around, about to turn, you know, in the 30s. So he's probably gonna be his mid 30s. I think those are when contracts get moved, and especially in five years, you're hoping for the Sabers to be contenders. And if he's fallen off or he's not even playable, I think he, it's one of those situations where you take an Arizona and you give them a second round or a f- first round pick to either take the contract in full or you had to eat some of it, but they take like $7 million off your cap, you know, off your books. So I think there's a scenario where he's not on it, but I also think he might age well where he's a decent four checker on your fourth line. He's just really expensive. But I, I think if the Sabres are who we think they will be in five years, I, don't, I think there's a good scenario where he's not on the team and a good scenario where he's not on the team. That's why I have him in like the 50-50. I'm a coin flip on him.
0: Right. I mean, honestly, I see Skinner working well with the team right now. And like we've mentioned, he is overpaid, but he's starting to kind of earn that paycheck. You know what I mean? So I, I do, I would say he's uh, near lock. You know what I mean? Like I, I see him here.
1: I, I, I would again. I think there's a good there's a good chance that he's not here. A good chance that he could be here. So that's why fifty fifty. So we go down in the semi locks, which are more like the seventy percent. I have Matias Samuelson, Tage Thompson, and Dylan Cousins. So I guess Sam, Samuelson. You know, if he just continues to build on a lot of these guys, as they continue to build on their previous season and continue to get better, they'll be on the team. Samuelson's another example. I think Cousins is another example. I think Cousins is interesting because maybe he's a solid third line center. And if you, are you okay with him just being a third line center, I think that's an interesting discussion to have. Or do you move him to maybe wing in the future? Possibly. Uh, I think again that that could be interesting to talk about. Tage Thompson. The reason why Tage is not on the near locks for me. Because yes, he was a top twenty center last year, but again, I would like to see another year of, uh, production. He was one of the worst players in the right. NHL before last year, so this could have been. Year. This,
0: you know, this, you're right. This year could be a fluke. You have no idea. You know what I mean? But like, hopefully, it's not. No, I, I do agree with you. I on don't that.
1: think it is. I, I'm in the boat where I think he. Some of his stuff isn't all sustainable, but I think he could grow in other aspects to have the same impact. But he's not. He's not in that tier of the power tuck Dalene for me. He's in the tier of. Yeah. Samuelson and Cousins. Oh,
2: I
0: would hundred percent agree with you on that.
2: Um, I, I mean, I would think that they're they're more near locks. Honestly, um, I think they're both going to get contract extensions, mm-hmm. and I think they're they're showing to be building blocks for the future. I know you're saying you want to see more of them, and I completely agree. But I think I think they are going to show more, and I think they're going to be well deserved of being on this roster in five years and be key pieces in the top six
1: well yeah that's why i have them as a 70 75 just i think there's a scenario for all three of them that they're not on the roster but i also think the majority of scenarios if you know you do the same event over and over again you'll see that the majority 75 percent of the time they're on the roster in five years but you never know with this kind of stuff especially with the cap maybe they can't keep everyone so down to my last i guess tier of the the 50 50s i obviously had skinner uh, I have Casey Fitzgerald, just because he seems to be a good locker room guy, and I think he's going to be the future 7th D on the team. He's also a right shot, so Dritty. that provides some value. Uh, and then I have two Swedes, uh, Victor Olsson, uh, and Rasm- Asplund. I love Asplund. Again, I think he's incredibly underrated. It's just going to matter, if he does he price himself out, or does he want to stay here as Johan Larson left once he could bolt? Um, but I don't think Asplund's like that. I think this organization likes him so I think he'll stay and then Victor Olson. Uh my concern of Olsson is that he might price himself out with the uh, end of season he had but if he can stay healthy and he can continue to improve in his five-on-five play I think he's going to be a nice weapon for this team to have and of course Payne Krebs beast in the NHL he's been a beast in the AHL with the Amherst but he really struggled last year in the NHL and I, I think there's a possibility where if he has another repeatable season of struggle that he might get moved, uh, possibly to be in a package for that top six forward that we're talking about, or the top goal, or I maybe mean, not a top goalie, but a top defenseman. I think he could be an intriguing piece that might get moved, so that's why I have him as 50-50, but, I mean, he could produce next year. and
0: Right, if he can somehow produce the way he is right now with the Amerks, I mean, you can't argue with that, you know? I think I yeah. think
2: the the best out of the guys you just listed, I think the the guy that has the best odds to make the team is Asplund. I think he fills his role so perfectly. He showed that this year, and I think Krebs, you know, I think he aspires to be a top six forward, a, a great playmaking center, and I don't know if he'll necessarily uh, be that on this roster in five years. I think he can be, and I hope he is, but there might not be a spot for him at that point.
1: Yeah, I think I think what's been interesting um doing this what we did with the bills a couple weeks ago and now doing this kind of uh like a segment you say with the Sabres. I think for the Sabres it's a lot of indecision of where to put guys in certain tiers because they're so young, but if they continue to build on that trajectory, you know, that that improvement that line um they'll st- they'll be on the team. So I think I think it's hard to rate the Sabres because hockey is such a development sport they're yeah. so young they're in the like yeah, when you've you got to wait oh, yeah. for
0: them to develop you got to let them go through their stages of development too, like they're not going to just be NHL superstars right away. it's going to be tough, but I mean i I one hundred percent get what you're saying though
1: mm-hmm.
0: but that is going to do it for our Sabres talk for the day. I know there there's a lot more than usual, but uh we'll be right back with Dom's take on the rundown this week right after this. Here on the Buffalonian Podcast, we are looking for sponsorships to take our podcast to the next level. If you are interested, please feel free to message us on our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And without further ado, let's get back to the show. The
1: Bandits win! The Bandits win! Your Buffalo Bandits took a 10 9 row dub in Toronto on the weekend to sweep the Toronto Rock to advance to the National Lacrosse League final. A uh, great achievement for the boys. Uh, the game, there was only five combined goals at the half. It was 3-2 Bandits. Obviously, a little bit more goal scoring in the second half to the Bandits' 10-9 win, but not as much as the game won 18-17 Bandits' win. So, two one-goal uh, wins for the Bandits. Uh, the player of the game was goaltender Matt Vince, who made 42 saves in net. Josh Burns, again, led the Bandits' attack of two goals and six assists for eight points. Now dispatching uh, Toronto, the Bandits unfortunately will have to wait another week to see who they play in the final as the San Diego Seals beat the Colorado Mammoths in overtime to force Game 3. The Bandits, holding the best record in the National Lacrosse League, will host Game 1 the final regardless of the result between Colorado and San Diego. And that Game 1 will be held on June 4th at uh, 7.30pm. So we will preview the game Next week, uh, I don't know if anyone has any rooting interest. I think I'll be rooting for the Mammoths because, one, the Colorado Mammoths is just a cooler name than the San Diego Seals, and San Diego stole our basketball team and tried to steal our football team, so I think those are good enough reasons to root for the Mammoths, but should be an intriguing game this weekend to see who plays the Bandits, and they're looking for their first championship since 2008, so let's go, Bandits. Um, So... Going from the Bandits to some good and some mostly now bad news, unfortunately, the Rochester Amerks. As we left off, they were tying their series against Utica two games to two. Cool news for the Amerks, uh, they won that game. They were trailing 2-1 in the third period. Storm back to score three unanswered goals and win 4-2, winning the series on the road in Utica. Uh, this is the first time the Amerks advanced to the third round of the AHL playoffs since 2004 when we had a man named Jason Pompa on the team. We also had another Jason on the team, and his name was Jason Bowrell, So, a little cool, trivia fact for you there. But unfortunately for the Bandits, uh, uh, excuse me, the Amherst, uh, J.J. Paterka uh, scored the first goal of the game in Game One against the Laval Rockets, who are the farm team of the Montreal Canadiens. And then the Canadiens decided to go on a six-goal unanswered streak uh, to take Game One six to one. And then Game Two, unfortunately, the Amherst still didn't play that well. Uh, a garbage time goal by Mark Janikowski spoiled the up in for the ball, but the Amherst again fell 3-1 to and now trail 2-0 in the best of five series. Uh, the series now shifts to Rochester this Wednesday for Game 3, where the Amherst will be fighting for their playoff lives. Uh, as we talked about last week, Jack Quinn still hasn't stepped up, only still has two points in now nine games, and is goalless in the postseason. And it's fair to wonder if he is playing banged up. And... Well, I am not a gambler, I find it to be a little bit unfair that for a reason, hockey decides not to say when people are injured. As Jack Eichel for the Vegas Gold Knights, former ex-Buffalo Saber, uh, was playing the last month and a half with a broken thumb. And you have people betting on him to score in a game where he has a broken thumb, and no one knows about it. I don't know how very... I don't think that's very fair to the people that are betting on those players. If he's banged up, the people the public should have a right to know if he's banged up i know there's gamesmanship that they don't want people taking advantage of those injuries but i i think it's unfair to the public to be betting on people that are potentially injured and obviously you're not going to bet on someone to score when they have a broken thumb when their goal scoring ability is greatly diminished so that that's my that's my gambling injury rant uh for the run, rundown obviously hopefully jack crimson scores first goal in the postseason in game three to keep the Amherst alive. So we'll rotate now to the Buffalo Bisons. Some more good news though for Buffalo Air Sports. The, ban- the Bisons won their series against Syracuse four games to one. The reason why there was only five games played was Sunday's game got postponed because of rain and that will be made up when Syracuse comes back to town uh, July 6th. Uh, with the series win uh, the Bisons now sit at 24-17 and 17 and now are just a game and a half back of Rochester for the North Division lead. Now, the Bisons actually have back-to-back series on the road before coming back to Buffalo on June 7th to play Worcester. So, the first series will be in Columbus, Ohio, where they will play the Columbus Clippers, who are the farm system of the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, the Clippers are 27-15 and 15 and are in second place in the, the West Division, so, two second-place teams going at it this uh, week. Should be a fascinating matchup for the Bisons. The game of the series against Syracuse was Saturday's thrilling 12-11 win in 11 innings. A little karma for the Bisons. They were up 7 nothing through 6 innings. Their pitcher had 6 no-hit innings at only 64 pitches. And for whatever reason, the manager for the Bisons, Casey Candell, uh decided it was a good idea to pull the pitcher, now creating a huge karma as... They gave up 2 runs in the 7th to make it 7-2. to two, And then they gave up 7 runs in the top of the 8th inning to now trail 9-7. But the Bisons, they were resilient. I'll give them credit. They got those runs right back in the bottom of the 8th and to cause extra innings where they again had to come back from a 2-run deficit in the 10th inning to tie it at 11, to then go to the 11th inning where it was 11-11. For, uh, obviously you have the ghost runner in minor league baseball and with no one out. Ground balled the third baseman, and the third baseman decided not to throw to the first baseman. He decided to throw over that man's head, which then caused the winning run for the Bison score in a game where there was 23 runs scored and 7 errors. Just an absolute wacky, wacky game played. Wild game. So finally, we'll transition to a semi-related Buffalo topic. We'll get to that in a minute. The PGA Championship, where Justin Thomas came back from a 7-stroke deficit on Sunday to win in the playoff. Uh, the reason why this is relevant is because the 2022 PGA Championship this weekend, last weekend, was played in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, the 2023 PGA Championship is actually playing close by at Oak Hill Country Club in where else but Rochester, New York. So, not only was it a thrilling day for golf and an amazing comeback, the first playoff in a major since 2017, but... We are also going to get that same major in a year from now in Rochester, New York, just about an hour away, so while it is not incredibly Buffalo-rated, it is so we t- cover all sports on The Rundown. I hope you enjoyed uh, the return of myself on The Rundown, and with that being said, we'll be back with
0: you with some trivia. Here at the Buffalonian Podcast, we are looking for sponsorships to take our podcast to the next level. If you are at all interested, feel free to message us on our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Now, without further ado, let's get back to the show.
2: Welcome back to the Buffalonian Podcast. Let's wrap up today's episode with some trivia, same way we do it every time. Um, we already know, you know who has the lead here, so we're not even going to mention that. Not with time. But okay. we go to the questions. And my first question regards the Buffalo Sabres, and when was the last time the Sabres selected an American skater in the first round? Oh, one. No.
1: What, am I close? Is it in 2019 because no. isn't Ryan Johnson?
2: That is the correct answer.
1: I think that should be two, two points. Not only did I get the right year, I also got the right player. It's a point. trick
2: question because we did have two first-round picks that year. Yeah. So yeah. you could have thought, you know, maybe he's the other player, but no. Ryan Johnson, sneaky. Sneaky question there. All right, second question. We're going to go to the Buffalo Bills. And we all know Bruce Smith. Probably, maybe the, one of the best defensive players to ever play the game. It's pretty obvious that he would have the single season record in sacks for the Bills. That's too easy a question. How many sacks did he have in his record setting season for the Bills?
1: Nineteen. Yeah, I was gonna say twenty. So it was nineteen
2: yeah. back in nineteen ninety, the first year the Bills went to the Super Bowl.
1: he won Defensive Player of the Year that year. Exactly. What a guy.
2: Purely dominant pass rusher. Can you imagine if we had him on our roster now?
1: I think. I think that's the answer to everyone's question about which Bill's Legend would you add to this roster? To? Yeah, 100%. I think that's the easiest one.
2: So, we wrap up trivia. Rochester Americans question. Um, how many times have they won the Calder Cup? Two. No. Four. No. Three.
0: No. Five. None.
2: I'm, I'm just going to cut you guys off. It's Six.
0: Damn, I was getting upset. The last
2: sore. one being <laughs> in 1996.
1: So, I mean, I think I got two points, Joe got zero points, and we'll give a point to the,
0: for Mike for the stumping question about the Rochester Amherst. All right, well, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Buffalonian Podcast. We'll be coming at you at this time next week with your latest in the Buffalo sports news. And, uh, Dom, how do you always end these? Go Bills, baby. Go Bills.